Welcome to The Stoke Fam, the podcast designed to help families adventure more and stress less. On this show, we give you the confidence and inspiration you need to find your Stoke by sharing interviews from real families doing amazing things, conversations with brands who make adventures easier, and all the things we wish we'd known sooner. Come on, let's let's go. Welcome back, Stoke fam. Today, I am chatting with Nikki from Our Travel Anew, and I am so stoked about this conversation because Nikki is one of my favorite moms to follow on Instagram because her she has this big goal to create meaningful family experiences, and her family loves to adventure, and they've done some incredible things like setting out to sail full-time, which we'll get into in a bit, but what I love the most is that she is not afraid to be vulnerable, to talk about the ups and downs, the adventuring uh, of adventuring and mom life. And she fully admits that everything's not always perfect because we all know it's not, um, not when you're a mom, not with kids, like it's not going to be perfect. And what I really, really love too, is that she makes it her mission to help other families make travel and everyday adventuring easier and more meaningful. And that's so right up our alley. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Nikki. So thanks so much for coming in and, and talking with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So we're going to dig in a little bit today of how to kind of deal with when disappointments inevitably happen, because like we said, they're totally going to. Um, And I just wanted to start out by hearing first, though, a little bit about your adventure story. So when did you start adventuring? Is it something you've always done? Is it something you started doing as an adult? And kind of just give us a little bit of your background. You know, I grew up in the Midwest um, with a pretty regular childhood. Um, but I played a lot of sports and so I had an opportunity to travel playing those sports and it kind of opened my eyes to, wow, there's a lot more out there besides Lincoln, Nebraska. So, um, when I had some scholarship opportunities to play volleyball in college, I jumped and moved out of state and then continued to travel more with those volleyball opportunities. And I knew like, I needed to somehow continue to travel beyond college. So my husband and I got married. We went on a honeymoon. And on that honeymoon, we met people from Key West, Florida, and just fell in love with their stories of Key West. And finished that honeymoon, went back to Nebraska, where we were living in an apartment in the middle of winter. And we were like, let's get out of here. Let's go to Key West. That sounded amazing. So yeah, we packed a U-Haul and went to Key West and found random jobs and, and started married life with, uh, with a big adventure in Key West. Okay. So hold on. How quickly did you make this decision? Like you went, you said you went back to Nebraska and then you found jobs. And I, now I'm really curious, like, was this a snap decision? Like that's kind of how we notice. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how we roll in general. We kind of make snap decisions. Um, I'm influenced um, by my husband. That's more his thing, and I have definitely learned to roll with that. I I'm more of like the researcher, but I can roll with it now and make snap decisions better. Um, but yeah, we let me think. We got married in December. We went on a honeymoon in January, and then we were living in Key West by like March first. So, oh yeah. So you kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty quick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know sometimes when people make the big moves, they take this long time. So I was just curious because um, we we actually made a big move cross country in like two weeks. So yeah. it had been kind of a semi discussion before, but then it was like once that decision was made, it was like, all right, let's do this. Yep. Um, so, and I'm kind of like you, I'm kind of in that boat of like, I like to have things planned, mm-hmm. but sometimes when you have that gut feeling that yep. this is the right move, it's also like torture sometimes to wait when you're, when you know it's the right thing. Oh, 100%. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to, um, Key West. So tell me kind of what, tell me about Key West and you guys obviously aren't there anymore. So like what kind of changed after <laughs> Key West or where, how long were you there? What kind of yeah, we What's joke now. Time? We joke now because we are such like beach people at heart. We joke that like we really had it all figured out like 16 years ago when we were newlyweds. We should have just stayed in Key West. <laughs> like we, that could have been our forever. No, but um, we ended up leaving Key West because my husband actually um, played minor league baseball um, when we met. That's what he was doing, and then he ended up getting released um, from. He actually was playing um, minor league ball with the Seattle Mariners, and he got released. Whoa. And we kind of were like, okay, that phase of our life is over. And then when we were living in Key West, he started volunteering with the Key West um, high school baseball team just to help out. And it reignited his love and um, dream. And so he decided to go for it again and give his dream a second chance. So we ended up leaving Key West so that he could pursue baseball again. That is so cool. I did not know that about him. That's really awesome. Yeah. He played for the Mariners, you said? He did. Yep. That's who he started out with. Yep. And then when he released them, he ended up playing some independent ball, trying to get picked back up um, by a major league team. Um, Okay. And and then ended up blowing out his shoulder a couple of times and and the dream, the dream finally died. But yeah, but that's why we left Key West and, and went on that, um, kind of chased that dream for a while. Gotcha. That's really cool though. So then you guys moved back to the Northwest and he kind of chased this new dream. And then when that didn't quite pan out, what was, or when he, that, you know, that phase was over, not necessarily didn't pan out, but when that phase was over, what was next? Yeah. So we were, gosh, okay. We have lived all over. (laughs) Um, so we moved back to actually Nebraska. Um, we're both originally from Nebraska and the independent team he was playing for, um, was in Nebraska. And after that didn't pan out, God, where did we do? I mean, we've been all over. We've lived in Florida two different times. We've lived in Minnesota. We've lived in Nebraska. We've lived in California. Um, so we both ended up getting jobs. Um, we got like big boy and big girl jobs and, um, Then I ended up going back to school. And once I finished my master's program, we moved back to Florida for the second time and uh, tried to live the beach life a second time. Um, But then, gosh, I haven't thought about this roadmap of our lives in a while. (laughs) We ended up moving from Florida to California for a job opportunity. And that's when we got pregnant with Evelyn. And um, it was high risk. And so we moved back to Nebraska to be close to family. Um, cause they really thought that we were going to have complications also post, you know, when she was born post-pregnancy. Um, but when she was born completely healthy, we dug really deep and we were like, okay, like this desire to live life a different way, to really take a big leap and to, to live some sort of alternative lifestyle. Um, we knew that like life was telling us, okay, your, your daughter is healthy. Like just go do it, pursue it, jump in head, head first. So that's a long roundabout way of, of telling you how we got to our, our next dream that we pursued. 
that's okay. I think we all have those long roundabout stories, right? Like nothing is a straight line. And yeah. I think that's a really good point to even bring out, right? Like it's not like, even if you go to college and you're like, I have this track of what I'm going to do, inevitably there are detours that you're going to take. And that yeah. doesn't mean that they're not all valuable to you. Learn something from every experience that brings you to that next step and yeah. where you want to be and what you need for you and your family. So I, I still love that. Yeah. Um, so then that next big step, let's talk about that. Tell me, tell me what that next thing was. Yeah. So Evelyn was born and, and when I was pregnant with her, um, we were a really concerned about her health, but B kind of like, okay, if she's healthy, like we have this big dream that we want to pursue because a few years earlier we had been in Costa Rica and it was our anniversary. We went to dinner and it was this adorable, it still exists. It's called El Refugio, this tiny little Argentinian restaurant in the middle of the jungle. There's like six tables. It's the most magical place in the world. But we got to speaking with the owners and found out that they had a young daughter and they had just decided we want to quit the rat race and live life a different way. So they quit their jobs in Argentina, moved to Costa Rica, opened up this tiny little restaurant, and their goal was to spend more quality family time together. My husband and I were like, huh, like people really do this? Like chase these big audacious dreams and like ditch their old life in the name of like what they value most. So that was like, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like that was on our hearts and we had been contemplating different things. We had even talked about moving to the Virgin islands a couple of times. We had looked into jobs. We always chickened out because of, I mean, honestly, because of like societal expectations and just Mm -hmm. kind of, we do what we see around us and it's hard to do things that we've never seen before. So when Evelyn was born though, and she was born 100% healthy, we were like, okay, the universe is telling us that we need to go. We need to chase this dream. We need to pursue what's on our hearts. So it finally gave us her health, finally gave us like the courage to take the step forward. So we made a plan and we saved saved, saved. That was like step number one, like scrimped and scrounged for every penny we could. And then, um, gosh, we read everything we could. We connected with families on Instagram and read a million blogs. My husband went to sailing school and, um, part of our plan was also to have another baby. So Kai was born. And then a few weeks later, my husband went to Puerto Rico and, um, bought a boat. And then that summer when, Kai was six months old and Evelyn was two and a half. We sold everything, literally had nine boxes, nine, you know, packed suitcases and bags that we were going to check on the plane and um, start this new lifestyle of, of sailing in the Caribbean. Oh, that's so exciting. And um, so you said that this one, so your husband went to sailing school. So I imagine this one took you a little bit longer to to come to fruition than that initial like jump to Key West, right? Like, cause yes. that's probably not like a one week course I'm guessing. Yes. It's funny that you say that though, because when Evelyn was born, we we're like, okay, we have a five-year plan. And then we were like, who are we kidding? Like we take one month to like launch into our next adventure. So, <laughs> so we ended up knocking it down to two years. So we, okay. we, we fast forwarded it as much as we possibly could. Um, Yes, but it definitely was more intensive with planning and saving and gaining knowledge and and really studying. And I mean, I can say this now, um, we were, we were so underprepared. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, so let me ask you too, speaking of that, had either of you ever sailed or been on a boat much before this, or was this all brand new? Or was this like, we've been on a boat a couple of times and we loved it and we really want to do this? Or had you, did you have experience sailing? Yeah. So when we lived in Key West for two years, when we first got married, my husband, um, that was his first job. He worked on a catamaran boat. I mean, let's be honest. He, he was not like a captain or like actually sailing the boat. He (laughs) was, he was like that guy that when you go on a booze cruise on a beautiful sailboat on vacation, like he was the guy pouring you beer and making sure like when everyone goes in for the snorkel, he's making sure that like everyone's okay and no one's drowning. So he, I mean, he's an important job. That is a very important job. Um, but he did learn a lot about sailing through that job. I mean, he loved picking this captain's brains and just kind of learning everything about the boat. So he had that experience, um, sailing in Key West. But, um, beyond that, we had taken like a 10 day sailing vacation pre-kids where we okay. chartered a boat and, you know, fell in love with that, but we had a captain and a chef. So again, we didn't have to do a whole <laughs> lot. <laughs> um, and I had no experience. So, okay, yeah, our plan was for Corey to do the class and for him to get certified. And then we knew we would, we would be living at the Marina for the first handful of months. And that was going to be my learning curve. Okay. Yeah. So then walk me through, you have the sailboat, Corey. So did Corey sail it himself from Puerto Rico back to the U S or how did that all work out? No. So we, um, it was in a Marina, um, in Puerto Rico. And so we decided we were thinking initially, Oh, maybe we could get it. We could have someone, um, like hire a crew to sail it to Florida and meet us there. And we just decided, Nope, we're going for it. So we packed up all of our things, got on a one-way flight and flew to Puerto Rico and met our boat there. And that's where we okay. started, started the lifestyle. Yep. Just okay. at the original Marina where she was hanging out. Okay. So tell me about the beginning of that. Like how exciting is that, right? You show up in Puerto Rico and you're getting ready to set off on this huge adventure and you have two kids at this <laughs> time, right? So you have an, a newborn or a, not a newborn, but an infant, right? Oh yeah. He was six months old. Okay. And then how old was um, Evelyn at that point? Evelyn was two and a half. Okay. So that's adventurous all on its own. Like, (laughs) I mean, I thought my big cross country move was intense when my kids were two and a half and 10 months old, but like this, that that's bigger. Right. So that's a huge deal. So how was that transition? Yeah. So, you know, we were so, so, so excited that that excitement probably overshadowed some of the reality of like, holy moly, this is, this is a lot. This is a big Mm. bite we just took. Um, so yeah, our days and our boat needed a bit of work. Um, so our days really consisted a lot of Corey working on the boat and me solo parenting during the day. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Corey went from working you know, a 40 hour work week in his previous life to now working more hours than that and working really hard manual labor in this really hot Puerto Rican summer. <laughs> um, so really we found out very quickly that this was the hardest we had ever worked in our lives. And we were willing to put in that hard work for, you know, this big dream of ours, but we definitely underestimated how much work it would take both for him on the boat. And for me, solo parenting, because living in Nebraska, my parents lived there, Corey's parents lived there. So we had family help. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never been 
a mom of two babies before, and now I'm doing it solo in Puerto Rico while Corey's on the boat most of the day. So it was a huge, um, it was a huge wake up call for really how hard pursuing your dreams is. But you know, we were we were willing to make that sacrifice for for what we knew lay ahead. Right for the the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever, right? Like you, you can see the, the reward right. and you know that it's coming and so right. that front end work is, is worth it. I think that's like so many adventures as a parent anyway, right? Like loading up the car and packing all the snacks and getting everybody out with actual shoes on is sometimes a challenge, but then once you get there, it's always worth it. Right. Like, so, but it also always takes some lead up no matter what adventure it is and anything worth doing is Oh, 100%. And I feel like that is one of the biggest lessons that we've learned through through this is that you have to embrace the journey. You Mm -hmm. have to embrace all the little milestones that get you to the destination. Otherwise, it's just not as fun and not as meaningful. Like there are so many meltdowns and there's so many, you know, (laughs) I forgot this or I forgot that. But yeah, that's like one of the biggest lessons that we've learned through all this is that you truly have to embrace the crazy. You have to embrace the journey. Um, because it just makes the destination that much more meaningful when you fully embrace the good, bad, and the ugly. Yes, totally. I agree 100%. Okay, so now let, let's let talk about you've put in all of this work. The boat is ready to go. And tell me about that first day. Okay, so the boat is like this close to being ready. Um <laughs> And we've, you know, we're living on the boat now. We've, my husband has, I mean, when you live on a boat, you have to get really creative, especially when there's kids on the boat. So my husband has done all this handicraft work and, and we have, I'm still nursing my son in the middle of the night. And so he has created a bathroom and turned or created a baby nursery out of the bathroom. So literally he has taken the toilet. (laughs) I can't even believe I'm talking about this. He has taken the toilet and put like this plywood on the top of it. And then we created this netting. I mean, it was the most jankety little crib you'd ever seen, but that's where Kai, I mean, God, he, he just thinks it's hilarious when he, when we tell him about it now, that's where he slept (laughs) on the boat. Like in our bath, in our bedroom, we had a master bath in our bedroom and we made that bathroom into a little baby crib. So yeah, we are, we, yeah, you have to get creative. So we are living on the boat. Um, Kai is sleeping on a toilet and we're starting to kind of like, okay, picture what this is really going to be like. Um, once we actually like push away from the marina, from the dock and, and set sail. Um, we're like this close. We're so close to that moment happening. And then hurricanes pop up on the radar and we decide okay, we're just going to hunker down in the marina. Corey goes and ties off the boat and secures it as best as possible in the mangroves. And we hunker down in the marina hotel and just kind of wait and try to entertain our kids. Um, And then we find out that the hurricane has passed and it hasn't damaged Puerto Rico too, too much. Um, But St. Thomas and St. John, our next door neighbors in the Caribbean, have just been utterly destroyed. Um, and we start hearing news about some friends of ours that have friends there and family there and just how it's 
there's no food, there's no water. It's a complete dire situation. And Corey and I start to look at each other like, oh oh my God, like we are scared now because that easily could have been us. And perhaps we need to have a a better plan B. You know, we had, we've lived in Florida twice. So we had experienced hurricanes before multiple times. So we knew what we knew to respect hurricanes. We knew what, how to prepare. We knew the seriousness, seriousness of them. So we did all those things, but that was when we lived in Florida and we could get in a car and drive to safety Right. in, in the name of evacuation, but living on an Island, living on a sailboat, that brings a whole nother ball game to what hurricanes mean. Right. So, you know, real quickly, we, we set aside like, oh, we're so close to sailing away to, oh my God, like we need to have some serious plan B's in, in place in case another hurricane comes because we locked out. So, so we make a plan about evacuating off Island rather than just hunkering down in the Marina hotel. Um, and sure enough, another hurricane pops up on the radar and not to mention the first, the first hurricane was a category five and that's unheard of through this area. Um, it hadn't happened in years and years. Category five had not come through this part of the Caribbean in years. So Mm -hmm. another hurricane pops up and sure enough, it's also a category five. Um, and so we quickly, I mean, this is seriously within five or six days of the first one. So we quickly, the kids and I evacuated, um, but Corey stayed back and had to get our boat ready and tie her off and make sure she was as you know prepared as possible. And we couldn't find a flight for Corey. So oh, no. I'm, I'm in Nebraska, um, actually at his parents' house with the kids, frantically trying to find a flight for him because we also had our yellow lab um, in Puerto Rico. She was on the boat with us too. And we could not find any flights. There were no cargo spaces left for dogs. Everyone was trying to get off Island. This category five hurricane was just barreling at Puerto Rico. So I was starting to have like visions of what my life might be like, um, Mm -hmm. as a, as a solo mom forever. So I'm just, I mean, I'm also dealing with some postpartum anxiety and depression, um, lingering. So then add this on top of that. And I'm just, I'm a wreck. I am a mess. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, like just talk about trauma and like stress and like to the max, right to the max. So my only job right now, I mean, my, my mother-in-law, Kathy, she was like full on 100% grandma duty, taking care of the kids because my full-time job quickly became finding a flight out of Puerto mm-hmm. Rico for Corey and for our dog. Um, I think it was United airlines who opened up a last minute flight that they hadn't planned on. And I was able to get Corey a seat on that flight and our dog also. Um, so he made it out of Puerto Rico, I think two hours before they shut down the airport. Um, I think he was the second to last flight out. Literally they shut down the airport two hours later and the hurricane hit the next day and the Island was just utterly destroyed. And it took a few days. Um, I mean, we just saw what was on the news pouring in just utter destruction. Um, but we had no idea if our boat survived, um, if our friends were okay, we, we couldn't be in communication. All communication was down. Um, so it took a few days for us to finally hear from one of our friends that the friends that we um, could get in touch with were safe. Um, but almost 95% of the boats in our marina 
were destroyed. Somehow our boat made it, um, with minor, minor, uh, issues, but our boat was floating. Um, so we found kind of like this, okay, like, is this, is there hope? Can we, is there a second chance for our dreams? Um, so we hung on to that until Corey was able to go back down and assess, um, our boat's health and also right. the viability of our dream. Um, cause it took a while for Puerto Rico to open back up their airport. Right. It was just so destroyed. Um, the, which year was this, which hurricane? This was 2017. So it was hurricane Irma and okay. then yes, quickly so followed by yep, hurricane Maria. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, when they finally opened up the airports, Corey was able to get down and it became very clear, very quickly that we are not going to be continuing our dream in Puerto Rico with our sailboat, even though she's okay. The people of Puerto Rico are not okay right now. We're dealing with people who don't have clean water and don't have enough food. And there's the hospitals are not functioning at 100%. So we knew that um, moving back to Puerto Rico with two young children was not a prudent decision. Um, So real quickly, our dream died. And that was devastating. And I cried a lot. Um, you know, there was some grieving and mourning that needed to be done. Um, but we were healthy and we were safe and we were out of harm's way. So we, you know, had this like, God, we are so much better off than a lot of people in Puerto Rico right now, but our hearts are still broken because we had poured two and a half years of our lives into this dream. Um, so that quickly became like, okay, how do we move forward even though our hearts are broken and we have no plan B (laughs) because we really didn't, we didn't have a plan B. Um, so yeah, we, we, we had to learn real quickly how to pivot and how to, um, you know, how to go on when things don't go as planned. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I know that it was devastating. We actually have some friends who her, my, one of my good friends, her mom, lives in Puerto Rico still. She's from Puerto Rico and her mom still lives there. And it was, yeah, days or even maybe, gosh, maybe even a week before she could even get in contact and know mm-hmm. if her mom and her some the rest of her family that still lives there was okay. And there was like this time of, you know, feeling grateful that you're okay, but then also feeling guilty that you're not helping more um, because you are so far, but then going and taking up resources isn't helpful either necessarily. And so there was this really big debate and battle in her, her mind too, as to like, what's the best step for us to take. And not only for, for us and, or for me and what I need, but like for that, her and what she needs, like, how do I help without making things harder. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure you were going through some of those emotions too, of like, I want to help, but I don't know, you know, and, and we have this, like, we have to do something too. We have two young kids. Like we can't just up and, you know, rebuild everything right now. Cause I have an infant and a, you know, we, and a, and a young child and it's not that simple and yeah. we put everything else on hold for this. So then kind of that had to be super, super emotional, I can imagine. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of emotions. I mean, swinging from being, like you said, being grateful that, yeah. you know, we're okay. Um, but that's then feeling so sad and heartbroken for the people that aren't okay right now. Mm-hmm. And then feeling completely heartbroken for 
our dream being destroyed. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of emotions and honestly it, it was just so hard to be in the unknown. Mm -hmm. I get that. I'm very much of a, I need to have a plan kind of person. And that's really hard when you feel in limbo. It's really, really hard. So kind of walk me through like what your next step was because you're sitting here in limbo not really knowing what to do still wanting and having this shred of hope right that this dream is still going to become a reality right Right. and also knowing what's just happened and so walk me through kind of what your next yeah like what happened next so we um you know our boat's still floating so in the back of our minds we're kind of thinking like okay well if we could hire a captain and get our boat out of puerto rico maybe we could continue this sailing journey somewhere else Mm -hmm. um so we played around with that idea. Um, but logistically, I mean, it was just a nightmare. And like you said, like taking up resources that are desperately needed by people in Puerto Rico, like we didn't want, we didn't want to make like, oh, how do we get our boat out of here now? A priority when that's that's not the priority in Puerto Rico right now. Like getting people right. like food and water and and help. Um so that um became clear that that also wasn't very realistic. Um, and also it costs a lot of money to hire, Mm -hmm. hire, you know, a crew and a captain and, and our boat still, like I said earlier, our boat still needed a wee bit of work. And so before she was seaworthy, that work needed to be done. So how do you hire someone to do that work and hire a crew and get it out of Puerto Rico when there's more pressing matters in Puerto Rico? Um, so it became clear that that wasn't going to be a plan. So, um, we said, okay, like we, we are going to re-enter real life and put this alternative lifestyle dream on the back burner. Um, so we just started putting out feelers to get big boy and big girl jobs again. And um, my husband, through his old work, um, he, he ended up taking a job doing the same thing. Um, okay. But this time um, out in Pacific Northwest. So we actually, we moved to Seattle um, you know, with very short notice, we kind of were like, okay, we, we took a visit out here. Um, it rained the entire time (laughs) and it was just like, you know, so dreary, which just felt, it felt right since we were just like an emotional, just ball of raw nerves, you know? So it felt right that it was just rainy and dreary and yucky. Um, but then on top of that, while we were in Seattle, my, I mean, this is not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. It just kind of seems like, of course, one thing after another, um, my daughter got really sick and we spent most of our time at children's hospital. Oh my gosh. And so, but we knew, you know, she ended up being fine. She, she actually had just terrible case of influenza A. Um, but you know, she was two and tiny and we're trying to juggle like what the hell is happening with our lives. And now, you know, she's sick this. and this. And so, um, we ended up saying like, okay, we need a job. We can't just be jobless and kind of float around forever. Like we need to move forward with life. We need to pick a plan B. So we picked Seattle and we moved out here and just decided that if we were going to live in Seattle, this gorgeous place, once the sun started shining and we knew, oh, okay, it's, <laughs> it's actually a really pretty area. Um, we knew that we had to change our mindset and embrace the mess of our journey that had been and change our mindsets to fully, fully embrace 
all of the adventure and travel opportunities here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Even though we were still heartbroken about our sailing dream, we knew there was plenty of adventure and travel to be had right here in our new backyard. So adopting that new mindset um, really set us up for falling in love with the Pacific Northwest and, and adventuring in ways that we had never done before. And, and yeah, we've been so happy here. So first I just have to say, I can totally and 100% relate because our first winter here, we moved in December, probably not what I would recommend if you're moving to the Northwest, not the best time of year to move. If you're unsure about the weather, the summer is stunningly beautiful and the winter can really drag on. And this particular year was actually probably the worst winter we have had the entire time. And even the locals were like, why is this still dragging on? It literally, I don't think I saw sun from the time we moved until like maybe a sneak in May. Like Uh it was like a five to six month stretch where there was literally no sunshine. It rained every single day. I was in a teeny apartment within within 10 month old and a two year old (laughs) on the second floor trying to keep everybody from, you know, running around and stomping underneath everybody else. Like while we were trying to figure out exactly where we were going to be. And I thought, what have I done? Right? Like, what have we done? Then summer hit. And we moved out of the apartment into a house and it was so much better. And think, like you said, like there's so much to offer here, yeah. but yeah, that transition can be really tough. But I wanted to go back to like, so you said you made this mindset shift. Was there anything? And I feel like there's, I want to see if we can pull something out of that because I know that there's disappointments that are going are gonna to happen when anybody has a plan for an adventure or a dream. And what was it just a mindset shift or did you, was there something specific that really helped you make that shift? Because some, sometimes, you know, it's nice to say like, oh, I just decided to change, you know, change how I was thinking about things, but it's not always that simple, right? Like, so what helped, helped you make that transition? Yeah. So in full transparency, I did not make the transition quickly. Um, it took me the whole first year of living here was really hard for me. Um, you know, we didn't know anyone. I was still, grieving the loss of our boat and our dream. And I was still really struggling with postpartum here and there. Um, so mm-hmm. the whole first year was tough. That beginning of the second year was the turning point, And I went to a personal development conference. And that was where it, I really had like an aha moment of, I remember them saying, life doesn't happen to you, but for you. And I was kind of like, oh my God, like all of this has happened for us if we choose to grow from it. Mm -hmm. So really wrapping my head around Puerto Rico happened for us seemed insane, but in order to move forward and live life fully, despite having our hearts broken, I had to, I had to say it happened for us. And that really allowed me to start growing personally. It allowed our marriage to um, grow from that experience. It allowed our family to grow from it and really to just view life as an adventure, not just adventure being this one big grand thing that you set out to do one week a year. Um, So that was really like the shift for me. I absolutely love that because I have all of these things, right. That are like the big dreams, right. Like the things that we'd love to do. We would love to have this schedule that allowed us to spend winters in one area and summers in another. And like, that's like the ultimate dream. But the reality is like, 
it's not an option at this point and time for multiple reasons that we don't have time to get into today, but it's not an option right now. But that does not mean that every day cannot be an adventure and that we cannot find ways to adventure where we are locally and then travel when we can and pull as much out of like that dream as we can for the here and now. And maybe someday that will become a reality, but at this particular point in our lives, it's not going to, at least not in the next year or two. And so I think that's really, really important to talk about is that it doesn't, sometimes I think we hear adventure and we think it has to be this, like, I don't know, like big, huge thing or death defying act of like, you know, skydiving or whatever, but it doesn't have to be that big, that insane to still be adventurous and still be fueling that part of us that needs that. Right. Oh, 100%. Um, And so I really, really love that you brought that up. Um, so now you've, you made the transition and you've kind of decided this mindset shift, you got real jobs, you know, I'm air quoting for those who can't see, but like real jobs. And, um, you've kind of settled into this new thing and now you've decided to make the most of every, every day and to make memories where you can and adventure where you can. How do you, does that still come up for you? Do you still find yourself like wishing that that was you were back on that sailboat or do you do you feel like that that was something were you able to learn from that at something that brought you to a point now where you're content where you are or is that still like a dream of yours to go back to the sailboat someday yeah that's a good question um you know I think in my mind of like Instagram pictures (laughs) the sailboat journey sounds amazing um still in my mind of like what it looks like in other people's accounts, you know, and they share like their best moments of sailing life. I look at those and I'm like, oh my God, yes, I could do that again. But knowing the reality of it now, even though our kids are older than, you know, a few years ago, it still would be a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And so I don't think that's right for our family right now. And nor do I have those like, oh, I wish we were doing that. I don't have those feelings anymore. Um, I still do. And my husband and I do together still have a burning desire to do life differently, um, at some point in the future. And that is a goal that we are currently working on, um, and have a roadmap for, but it won't be sailing. That's, uh, (laughs) that's, I think put to bed. Maybe, maybe like when the kids are totally gone and we're retired, maybe that'll be a something down the road. But, um, I think our next adventure will definitely be something not sailing. (laughs) I can totally understand that. I have two things I want to pull out from that after you were talking. So first, the Instagram thing, I just want to bring back for everyone who's listening. Instagram is exactly what she said. It is a highlight of the best moments. So like when she was talking about people sharing the highlights of their best sailing moments, that's exactly what everybody shares. And I think like, I think that a lot of us too um, try to share some of the realities in the captions or in the stories, but the reality is, especially if you're doing it as part of a business, um, as we are, there is definitely a tendency to put like the better stuff, right? Like you're not going to show like when your house is in complete array most of the time, although I will share it in my stories, but it's this whole thing of like, 
and you do too, which I absolutely love. Like the reality of like, Hey, guess what? Or me totally bribing my child with Skittles. Like it's going (laughs) to happen sometimes. Um, (laughs) and we're going to talk about those things. And I think it's important that we do, but you, a lot of the times you may even miss those times that we post that too. Right. And you may only see the good times because you just don't always see everything. And it's Instagram is not always, don't compare yourself to that because it's not always, that way. That is the highlight reel. It's exactly what you said. Yes. And you know that, and that is why I do every Friday, I do my failure into fuel Friday series. And I love that because like, oh my gosh, we don't talk about the failures or the hiccups or the mistakes that we make through these journeys of life, whether it's on an adventure, on a failure and momhood, like we don't talk about those enough. And then we feel isolated by them. So I feel Mm -hmm. like, and that's how I felt on the boat. I felt totally isolated on the boat because what I saw of sailing was just this glorious sunset sail with dolphins right next to your boat. And that's just not real life when you live on a sailboat. It's part of life, but it's not most of life. Right. And so I feel really passionate now about sharing just real life stuff and that we all have these challenges and failures and we get to choose to grow from those. And that's, that's been a really fun part of my journey throughout this whole thing is being able to start sharing those things rather than feeling isolated by them. Yes. Yes. Um, I love that. And then the other thing that I wanted to ask is I know you said that sailing is kind of, you've kind of put that to bed, mm-hmm. but if you had it to do over again, would you make the same decision? Would you give it a try? I would. Yes. I would try again. Um, One thing that I would probably do differently was not cut our plan in half by, you know, from five years to two (laughs) and give ourselves truly a little bit more time to um, get more prepared um, and maybe ask harder questions. We asked a lot of like superficial questions about like, what should we pack? And yeah, I would ask more in-depth questions of the families we connected with to really get like the nitty-gritty of what what's a what's it really like, not just like okay, what what kinds of things do I need to have, you know, from my house? What kinds of things do I need to pack? Um, so I would do that differently, but I would still do it because um our life now as it is is 100% richer and fuller for that experience. I love that. Um, so I guess that kind of brings me into a couple of the wrap up questions we like to ask and you may have, you kind of answered, I think part of this in the, in what you said just now, but one thing I like to ask is what's something you wish you knew about, um, making that big change, you know, adventuring or sailing is fine, but I think even more importantly, like making that big life shift to do something that's maybe big and scary and what's something that you wish you knew or someone had told you before you started all of this. And it may be that it's just to ask the hard questions, to dig deeper into like what it's actually like the day-to-day life, the mindset. It may be that it may be more like, Hey, I really wish that somebody had told me that I'm going to really need to have this item that I've totally forgot to bring or whatever. It may be any of those things, but is there something that stands out that you really wish you had known ahead of time that you would suggest somebody who might be considering a big shift or transition or wanting to bring more excitement or adventure into their lives, um, should consider. Um, so I would definitely say to ask the nitty gritty questions, but my biggest thing would be to not forget about yourself. I forgot Mm. about myself and I didn't, it was all about the family experience. It was all about the kids. I mean, we, obviously they were six months and two and a half, so they were very much needy of mom. Um, 
but we need time to recharge our batteries. Moms need time to ourselves so that we have something to pour into our kids and our family. And I think we need to do it whether we're at home, whether we're camping for the weekend, whether we are on this big grand three-week vacation, or whether we make a complete lifestyle change and we're living in an RV or on a boat. Um, I think it's easy to forget about the care, the self-care and the self-love that we need. Um, because all of those situations bring on a new different, new different type of stress. Um, and we're better prepared to deal with the stress of these new adventures or new changes if we fill up ourselves first. Um, I missed that boat completely and I've had to learn it the hard way. Um, but now I know. And so that's another big thing that I love to talk about is self-care and self-love and making sure that we fill ourselves up first so that we can fill up our people. I absolutely love that you brought that up. It is something I am currently working on because I definitely do not give myself enough time. And so it's, it's an active yeah. part of what I'm doing right now. And I think that I think that's also something that's the reality too, is it's as a mom, it's not always, or a parent in general for that matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it's not always easy to do that because there is always someone or something (laughs) at home in the, the quote unquote rat race, right? That needs your attention. And so it's really hard to intentionally block out that time to do something just for you. Um, because you always feel like then you're, getting behind or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's like, it's still going to be there when I come back. But if you, if, if you've taken the time, it is much easier to then come back and deal with it than it is to just keep plotting through. And I I think that's a really, really good point to, to bring up. Um, and if it, if it's not scheduled, if it's not in your calendar, it's not real. It doesn't exist. So true. I live by that. And oh my gosh. And also not only does it need to live in your calendar, but it needs to live in your husband's calendar too. Like, you know, like it is, it's a team effort here. I mean, anytime we travel or even just camp, it's kind of our, it's like our, what do I try? Like our pact to each other that we alternate days and give each other an hour or sometimes two, if we're lucky, just to have some me time and Mm -hmm. we get to choose. It's like guilt-free time. Like if we're in Hawaii, like we know, okay, Monday is my day to go to lunch, to go to the pool, whatever, walk worries with the kids for an hour or two. And that just, it fills us up to better show up for our family. So, yeah, I think that's even more important. And I don't like, I'm trying not to talk too much about like pandemic stuff on here, but I think it's even more important right now because there are so many of the normal escapes that may not be as accessible anymore or that lifestyles have shifted because of different school situations or whatever. And I think it's really, really, you have to be much more intentional, I think, even now than a year and a half ago, right? I think that it was definitely, I know for me, my kids used to go to outdoor school once a week and they went to co-op classes once a week. So even though we homeschooled, they had two full days where they were out of the house. That ain't happening anymore. (laughs) And so it's, I have to be much, much more intentional and I'm not the best at it. And so it's a, a work in progress for me where I had it built in before and now I have to actively pursue it. And it is very much has to be on the calendar, very intentional. And, um, like tomorrow, have a massage and I cannot wait (laughs) and it is on the calendar. It is scheduled. And like, that is such a treat because I have not done one in a long time. I Uh used to get them regularly and like just shifting back into some of those 
regular patterns of self-care is so important. Um, absolutely. For yeah. all of us. Yep. yep. So I absolutely love that. And then this one may not totally apply to, well, I think it still can. So what is something like a piece of gear or something? It doesn't have to be a piece of gear though. Something that you absolutely couldn't do without in your adventure life. Something that when you got it or found it, you were like, this is the thing I should have had a million years ago. Why did no one tell me about this? Is there anything that stands out in your mind? It could be something related to hiking, camping. It could even be something related to just like getting out the door on a daily basis. Um, oh, that's a good one. Hmm. I know for me, like, it's so silly. And I've brought this up on a couple of their episodes. So if you've listened long, you'll know what my favorites are. But it is a rumple a rumple blanket. Oh, yeah. That thing is for me, I take it everywhere. It's on the couch with me in the <laughs> evenings. It goes camping with us. It goes in the truck when we go snowboarding because I'm always colder than everybody else. I'm the only girl in the house. Everybody else is hot. It's always hot and I'm freezing. So that rumple gets stuffed in its stuff sack and it goes everywhere. <laughs> and it's such a simple thing because it's like, but a warm blanket for me that is packable is life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so true. I'm always cold also. So I really should invest in one. <laughs> um, you know, this isn't a specific product. Um, but I think, especially now that my kids are a little bit older, not having to be the mule that carries everything for every single person has been life changing. Like I now, like, I totally geek out over their backpacks and, and helping them. They used to try and when I first let them start carrying backpacks, because it was actually like beneficial, not just like a cute accessory, <laughs> they would try to put everything from their bedrooms in their backpack. I'm like, no, this is not a hoarding session. This needs to actually be a functional thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'm kind of a geek now about their backpacks. I love packing their backpacks and putting in like one little novel thing to make it exciting for the road trip over the airplane. Um, yeah, so I, I love finding creative little things or making creative little things to go in their backpack to make the journey fun. Because like I said earlier, that's one of the lessons we've learned from all of this is really accepting that it, poop is going to hit the fan and yep. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to have meltdowns. So really embracing that journey. So we embrace that journey by having fun backpacks. So that's, I love that. yeah, so that's kind of my my favorite thing about adventuring, my favorite item is having fun backpacks. I love that. And I can totally attest to that. My kids love, and they're getting better at it now. I still have to kind of hone things in, but I can generally say like, here's what we're going to put this yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. But we do the same thing. And like for hiking, they were working on building up. We've always carried their, everybody's 10 essentials, but we're working on building it up. So they have their own set of things, but yeah. still trying to keep it really lightweight and simple for them. So we're building that up and it's exciting and fun, like waterproof matches. Now I get to practice building a fire when it's not fire season, right? Like and all these yeah. fun, fun things. And it, it makes it exciting and fun. And when, when you're not carrying it anymore. 100%. <laughs> like we went from just them. Okay. They're carrying like a couple games or, you know, coloring yeah. book to now they're coloring or now they're carrying like their own water bottles, their own snacks. Yes. Like I am off duty. And it is like, <laughs> Amazing. It's such a simple thing, but when it happens, when you can start that transition, it's really fun. We started with just like, they only carried like their snack, right? Yes. And yes. then it was like a snack and a water bottle and a toy. Yeah. And then it was like 
Okay. And now we get to start adding in all these other things that take off of me for real. So it's great. Yes, Yes. I agree. I love that. You love that. Um, Well, Nikki, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experience. And because I think you have so much to share about change, you know, changing that mindset when tough stuff happens, because inevitably, like you said, poop's going to hit the fan. It's going to happen. Um, I think you're so valuable for, for dealing with that and for our listeners. So would you please tell us where we can find you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at our travel and new and the blog is also our travel and new. And, um, yeah, I share lots of tips and advice on, you know, it's not so much travel destinations. It's really more about embracing the journey and tips on how you can do that easier and have more fun and find more meaning in your travel. So I have some different, um, little freebies and resources that you can find there, but yeah, it's mostly just a narrative about embracing the journey. Awesome. Yes. And I think that you had mentioned that you had a couple of things to offer to the audience. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So one of our favorite goodies when we go on an adventure is making adventure bars. So I have an adventure bar recipe, um, so they won't be good for you guys because they have peanut butter in them. Darn it. We can alternate. We yes. use almond butter. Okay, good. Just as a, sub, as a substitute or, good, good. or whatever. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So these are yummy little protein bars. So they're great for hikes or, um, we take them to the beach a lot too. So I have that recipe for the adventure bars. And then I also have a fun little I spy twist type of, um, printable that we love to do on road trips or even on the plane. So fun little stuff to, to make the journey a little bit more fun. Awesome. And I will make sure that um, links to those are in the show notes so you guys can find them easily. And thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks again to Nikki for joining us today on the podcast. It was really nice to get to chat with you face-to-face via video chat, even though it wasn't in person. Hopefully that'll be someday soon. But I really, really appreciated all of the things Nikki had to say, including that adventures are not always sunshine and rainbows. And if you set yourself up for everything to be perfect all the time, you're going to feel like you fail. But even when you feel like you're failing, remember that it's actually an opportunity to grow and learn from your experience. And I really, really loved how Nikki shared the quote from one of the events that she was at where they said, life doesn't happen to you, but for you. And if you can shift your focus when things feel like they're falling down around you, it can make a big difference. A couple other things that I really, really liked that she had to say was if you're considering a major life change, like living on a sailboat, ask the hard questions, not just like, what do I need to pack? But like, how do you deal with the the ups and the downs? Or what is it really like to get me time? Or can you, how do you do that? Ask the hard questions before you jump into it. So you're really prepared for the whole scenario and not just the fun parts. And this is probably my favorite one. As your kids are getting older, let them carry their own stuff. Start slow and start passing it off because as they get older, it just makes your life easier to be able to pass some of those things off. Thanks again for joining us, Stoke Fam. We are really, really grateful that we've gotten such a great response already from the podcast and we plan to continue to bring you some of our favorite guests and share practical tips to help you on your adventures. And if you're enjoying the show, we would be so grateful if you would take just a minute and give us a rating or review in iTunes or share it with a friend. It really helps us grow so we can reach more people and continue to bring more awesome guests to you. That is it for today. Adventure more, stress less. We'll see you out there.